When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's that time of year. March Madness. Whether your team's on the bubble or in the big dance, rooting for Houston or Purdue, Big East or Big 12, BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays for this year's March Madness. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's bleav five zero to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is Thursday, March 9th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening We've got a special show coming at you today with two guests joining us here on the show. Our friend Blake Jude, who last week joined us to do our Mock Draft 1.0. That was last Friday's episode. If you want to check that out, it's available. Blake Jude and I talk a little bit about uh, really just some of the interesting storylines that happened in the month and a half that uh, Blake Jude was taking care of some stuff and working back home in in Kentucky and Ohio and didn't join the podcast. We talked about uh, our buddy Stetson Bennett, and we talked about the 49ers and how Stetson Bennett is going to be the quarterback of the 49ers next year. We like to have some fun, and uh, Blake Jude and I, for those who don't know, Blake Jude and I did, a, at least at this point, over 100 podcasts together between 2020 and 2022. About three years stretch, three football seasons plus, we did at least a hundred podcasts together. Got a great rapport, great chemistry, and like to just do silly banter like we did on the podcast here today. And then I know we've talked a lot about football the past few days, and it is the football off season. Juju talks sports, and I are going to talk more about football and talk about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. We're going to make some Daniel Jones jokes because he got that $160 million contract 
from the New York Giants, which I find to be incredibly funny on so many different levels. You heard me laugh at it for 15 minutes yesterday. Brian Dayball, you should have held out for a better job. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. I was going to talk about John Morant, but I feel like the story is kind of worn thin by now. There's not really a whole lot to add to the John Morant story that hasn't already been said everywhere else. I feel incredible sympathy for John Morant and love a good NBA villain. I just don't love the NBA villain where there's a chance someone might pull up and shoot John Morant. Like, that's less fun of an NBA that's less fun of an NBA villain than I'm willing to go with. And if the story weren't incredibly sad, the story would be incredibly funny with all of the all four of the incidents involving John Morant. If it wasn't so sad, it would be really easy to laugh at this and make humor out of it. So there's not really a whole lot to add. And the John Morant story is fascinating. I will say from the NBA standpoint, Brandon Clark tearing his Achilles was rough to see because preseason Hall of Famer is one of our oldest running guide. It is the oldest running bit we've done. We've done it for six years now, going back to when I was in high school with uh, the comical sports memes Instagram page. In its first year, we made a preseason Hall of Fame, and one of the preseason Hall of Famers is Brandon Clark. And so when you're a former preseason Hall of Famer, I like to follow your career, even though the whole concept of the preseason Hall of Fame is performance in summer league and performance in preseason has no bearing on the actual outcome of your career I did want to see Brandon Clark succeed because he's a former summer league MVP a middle of the first round pick and Brandon Clark ended up tearing his Achilles on Friday and this is going to probably be one of those injuries that keeps him out for two playoff runs for Memphis And by the time we're done talking about two playoff runs, there is no guarantee that Memphis, as it's currently constructed, is even going to look like it will right now. Whether they'll be competing, whether they won't, whether they'll bring in another star to pair with John Morant or however they end up proceeding. Like, so much can change by the time we get to the 2025 postseason. And so it just sucks that. Brandon Clark is now in that position where he's going to basically miss two postseason runs for the Memphis Grizzlies. If you'll remember, something similar happened in 2021 where Jamal Murray tore his ACL for the Denver Nuggets. And that was coming off the year where he just went hyper berserk in the bubble. And we were legitimately talking about can Jamal Murray be the number two on a championship team for about two weeks because... The Nuggets beat that Clippers team that was the best in the league with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Part of that was the Clippers collapsing from a 3-1 lead, but they beat that team. And there was a scenario where they could have beat the Lakers in the conference finals. I didn't want to admit it as such because the Lakers were so clearly a better team. But that series was 1-0 in favor of the Lakers. And in that Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals in 2020... Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic scored the final 24 points of that game, and the Nuggets only lost because Anthony Davis hit a fadeaway three-pointer at the buzzer. And so maybe Denver doesn't win that series at the end. It would have gone at least six games, maybe seven, if Denver wins that game two instead of Anthony Davis's buzzer beater beating them in game two of that Western Conference Finals. And we were legitimately having the conversation of, is Jamal Murray the second best player on a championship team? 
and he tears his ACL, misses the 2021 playoffs, misses the 2022 playoffs. He'll be back for this year's playoff run. And at this point, Aaron Gordon is the clear number two in terms of production on the Denver Nuggets. While Jamal Murray's a great player, he is not an all-star. He is a top 50 player in an offense that happens to have Nikola Jokic. And so Jamal Murray has kind of faded from that conversation because he missed two playoff runs. And I think something similar is going to happen with Brandon Clark and the Memphis Grizzlies because two years from now, we have no idea what that Grizzlies team is going to look like. We have no idea what that Grizzlies team is going to look like next season given the turmoil of Clark is now gone for the year. John Morant is indefinitely gone as he tries to heal from the stress and the trauma that he's dealing with and is also possibly going to get some sort of punishment from the league that's probably discretionarily not going to be that significant. But John Morant's like indefinitely out on mental health leave as the best way that Memphis is trying to describe it. Like John Morant's indefinitely out. Brandon Clark's torn his Achilles. I can't remember who else is out for the group. Oh, Dylan Brooks got the suspension with the technicals. And so... There's no guarantee what Memphis is going to look like even next year. And two years from now, I mean, there's so many different variables and possibilities. And so that part kind of sucks for Brandon Clark. And that's just the thing that I find to be interesting outside of the John Morant story. Because there's just so many moving pieces going on in Memphis. And as Memphis fades from the picture, because you remember John Morant went out in the playoffs last year for Memphis in the Golden State series. And granted, they were down 2-1 to one to Golden State at that time. If you remember, I believe Memphis was the two-seed in that series against Golden State. And it was a 2-1 Golden State lead when John ja Morant got hurt and missed the rest of the series. There's no guarantee that they would have won the series, but as soon as John ja Morant went out, they were just totally incompetent against Golden State. I think they won one game. Maybe that series was even 2-2 two to two at one point. I think they might have like blown out the Warriors um, in one of the rounds last year. I'm going to look it up real quick. But basically, once John Morant was out, that team was like totally inept. And with John Morant out now indefinitely, that team is going to be totally inept. Yeah, that series did end up going six games. I'm trying to remember what ended up happening uh, someone got blown out in Golden State, but I can't remember which direction that blowout went. Um, no, Golden State beat the brakes off of Memphis. That's what Game 3 at Golden State, they blew the brakes off of Memphis. No, I was right. Memphis, without John Morant, dismantled the Warriors in Game 5. That one was actually in Memphis, but they beat them by 40 points, even without John Morant playing. Um I think that was the game where like Tyus Jones had a had a ton of points. Yeah, I was right. I looked at the box score. Tyus Jones, twenty one points, nine assists. Um, they won that game, but ultimately they were just totally inept for the rest of that series. And so once John Morant went out and they were down two to one, it was basically a wrap at that point for Memphis. And it's going to be basically a wrap for Memphis from this point going forward into the playoffs. And look, Sacramento, I'm here in Sacramento. The Kings are going to benefit from that. They've already jumped into the two seed. They're probably going to hold on to the two seed for the rest of the way. I think they've got like a three and a half game advantage on the Suns right now. So like they're probably going to hold on to that 
number two seed at this point. Let me see the Western Conference standings. Uh, they've got a two and a half game lead on the Suns. They've got a four, a five game lead on Dallas, a five game lead on the Warriors. So yeah, like the, the Kings are probably going to hold on to that top spot, that number two seed in the Western conference. And Memphis is going to start to fade from the picture because they're not going to have John Morant or Brandon Clark or potentially Dylan Brooks going in and out based on suspension rules. And that's going to be interesting to follow this off season, with the Grizzlies, because like I was, t- the the Clark point brings up a bigger idea with the Grizzlies, which is there's no guarantee what that team's going to look like even next year. I don't think it's going to be fundamentally different. I think it's the three best players on the team are still going to be John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain, because all of those guys are either on rookie contracts or going into their second year, their second contracts where they make a lot more money. So I think fundamentally, because those players are under control for longer, they'll be the three key players in Memphis. It's just tough because everything else is in limbo. It doesn't seem like these people are having a whole lot of fun in Memphis, and so there's no guarantee that, like, Kyle Anderson left this offseason. One of those pieces in the middle might be on their way out after this season, and... Memphis, I'm just trying to look it up real quick here. Memphis has, at this point, so Steven Adams is a free agent after this season. Dylan Brooks is a free agent after this season, although restricted free agent for Dylan Brooks. After that, it's a whole lot of, like, rookies. It's Tyus Jones with two years left on a contract. It is, so Tyus Jones will probably be back next year. It After that, it's, Zaire Williams, who is a former lottery pick. It's Jake LaRavia, who hasn't played much this year, but he is a former, not lottery pick, but he's a um, late first-round guy that they picked last year. It's John Conkar, who, interestingly enough, is just kind of filling the... Like, there's not a whole lot there for Memphis, and so the team is going to look dramatically different even next year. That might be Zaire Williams finally gets more minutes... That might be uh, guys like Xavier Tillman finding more minutes. It might be Tyus Jones being the sixth man off the bench. Or the more likely case is that they just fundamentally look different next season. Outside of the three players that are Bain and Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, there's a good chance that they look fundamentally different next year around the periphery. And then by the time you get to 2025 and Brandon Clark comes back, they might look even different than they did last year. And depending on how 2024 goes for Memphis, one of those three being John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain might not even be on the team anymore. And so for a Memphis team that was legitimately one of the six best teams in the league in the first 60 games of the season, for Brandon Clark's sake, it just points to a more fundamental perspective, which is the guys on the periphery are going to be out in Memphis, potentially. Even if Dylan Brooks comes back, those guys, those everyone outside of the three key guys, which is Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain, might not be on the team next year. And they're going to go through a fundamental transition that now doesn't include Brandon Clark, who was probably a key piece of that transition for the Grizzlies. So with the Grizzlies just being uncertain about what the the team is going to look like going forward, it just sucks that they're basically going to lose two playoff runs without Brandon Clark. 
And for Brandon Clark's sake, I just hope that the preseason Hall of Famer gets to have some semblance of a career after he comes back from the torn Achilles on that Memphis Grizzlies team. So that's the perspective on Memphis that I find interesting outside of the Ja Morant story, which in and of itself is wild. Um, After this, let's just move right along and uh, we're going to talk to our friend Blake Jude on a Stripe Hype Sports Radio Thursday. And then we're going to talk to our friend Juju Talk Sports about some more NFL storylines and uh, laugh at Daniel Jones a little bit. But first, it is a Stripe Hype Thursday here on the Take It Easy podcast. Pick 31 in the first round. I'm going to reach on someone who's a second, third round guy. You said you've done a close to 100 guys. So I'm interested to see if you've scouted this player at all. Safety from Boise State, J.L. Skinner. I have. J.L. Skinner recently just suffered a, a pretty bad injury, so I, I do worry if, you know, what his, uh, uh, you know, if he's going to be able to play to start the season or not. I'm not too sure how, uh, you know, what, what what's going to be like that. Um, to me, Skinner's a linebacker, really, that just happens to play the safety position. Um, he's a, really a traditional strong safety, I would say. He plays in the box a lot. He's weak in coverage, and that's his problem. That's that's the reason why he isn't maybe a first round pick right now is his coverage weakness. But talk about a guy that can play and dominate in the box. Skinner can. I mean, he's a little undersized for a linebacker position, obviously, because that's why he's a safety. But this guy has one of the best tackling abilities I think in the league right now, uh, or in college football. Excuse me. He he did. Um, you know, being able to be a sure tackler for the team. I was really impressed with how he was able to take, um, you know, different angles to get to the ball as quick as possible. I thought that was really, really impressive. And despite not being great in coverage, he is good enough athletically to where I think that he has the potential to be good in coverage in the future. Um, so it would be a very, very fun chess piece, I think, for, um, you know, for uh, a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't really know if he would play safety or if he would play linebacker because I feel like you know, you know, they already have Willie Gay at linebacker, who, in my opinion, is actually a pretty good, is actually like a, you know, a, a very, he's much better in pass uh, coverage than what J.L. Skinner is. So he'd be a really good compliment at linebacker to him. Um, also, Nick Bolton, who had an unreal season this year. So maybe you do play him at safety a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I think that can be really, really good because I think that gives you another really good guy that can st- hopefully stop the run for Kansas City. But also, if need be, um, I think that he could develop enough in past coverage to where he could be pretty good. Uh, actually, I like Skinner. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned him because that's another prospect that in round two, I love for the Cincinnati Bengals. See, I'm going to mention him a lot coming up in this draft class. And the reason that's the case is because uh, JL Skinner is a graduate of Point Loma High School, same high school that I went to in the same class that I went to. We were friends oh, really? in middle school together. We we did a bunch of workouts together in the sixth, seventh grade. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but yeah, JL was my friend in middle school. And then he was our standout high school player on our team. So uh JL is uh, the only NFL prospect that I know from my school. So uh, he graduated the same class as me and uh, super excited that JL is going to get picked in the draft this year. I did not even know that. That is awesome. That's super cool. I love JL Skinner. I'm glad to talk to you more about him. Um, that'd be a guy you have to reach out and try to ask for an interview. That'd be really, really cool if you can get in contact with him. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I have his phone number. I just haven't talked to him in like four or five years. I feel like it'd be weird if right before the draft I reached out to him again, but no, yeah, I've got, I've got his phone number. I've hung out with him before. JL's a cool dude and uh, super cool that to follow his career at Boise and then see him turn into a star his junior year. And then I, coming into the year, he was looking at like fourth round prospect. And like you said, he got hurt in the um, I think it was the Mountain West championship game. He got hurt yeah. in 
And uh, yeah, that was tough to see. And obviously he's still going to get picked in the draft. And I hope it's still somewhere in day two of the draft. But uh, super cool to see him uh, ball out the way that he did at Boise. And uh, he will be the second player from my high school to go to the NFL along with Jamal Agnew. So super excited for JL. That that's that's crazy. Uh, that's really really cool because I before I even knew that I have always been talking about JL Skinner being a potential pick for the Bengals. So wouldn't it be crazy if he ended up going to the Bengals and you know him? Come oh, down it'd be so awesome, man! That would be so cool if he got that connection. If he went to Kansas City with Mahomes, that would be awesome. I just I want him to go to a cool team, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he deserves it. He deserves it for sure. He's. I, I'm really interested to see where he's going to play on the field. I think it's going to be really what I'm most interested in because I don't know if he's a safety. I don't know if he's a linebacker, but I think it depends on the team that he goes on. So I think in Kansas City, I probably lean towards him being the, the strong safety probably for that team, um, maybe playing in the box a little bit. But, uh, you know, I still think right now, JL Skinner, his attributes and what, he's, what we've seen from him on film suggests that he's going to be a very, very good player next level in the NFL. There you go. Glad to hear an actual scouting report on JL from someone who's actually watching the tape and doing the film because I've just been like, oh, he's going to be a top safety in his draft class. And that's kind of cool to think about. So I'm excited that uh, that he's going to get a chance. And you know what? I'm going to pick him in the first round no matter what, because he uh, he's he's my guy. So JL is uh, our local connection. And, well, he's, uh, he's, he's- Sorry, yeah, I've sticking around great on him, so I definitely think it warrants an idea of, of, playing, of getting him in the first. And honestly, I think for you know, I, I've I've seen the Chiefs in the past take a lot of guys that might not be as high as what you would expect them to go, like Willie Gay or Legarius Need. You know, maybe drafting him uh, or sorry, Legarius Need was drafted a little bit later, wasn't he? He was in a first round pick. But, yeah, Legarius you know, Need was, they, I think, a fourth rounder. Yeah. But they but they drafted a couple of guys that that you might not expect for them to go as high as what they did. But they were great fit for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs made them good players. Um, Nick Bolton was who I was thinking of as well. He was another guy that they might have reached on a little bit, but ended up being a beast. Like he he was one hundred percent worth that pick. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely see I, I can definitely see Skinner being another one of those guys. That would be really exciting. I hope so. I hope so for his sake that he gets picked high in the draft. So he can uh he can build that NFL career. That'll be a cool career to follow just because there's a personal connection. By the way, just as a side note, he was awesome. Our high school team, he obviously played receiver and safety. And uh yeah, he's right. just he was a dude who's just running circles around the other teams and they played the division three or division four teams. Like he we knew he was something awesome. And obviously he's now going to the NFL, which is just awesome. That's gonna be be so cool if he goes to the Bengals, you're gonna have to go come see a game that would be a lot of fun oh absolutely absolutely i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to go watch him play wherever he ends up going one time like i said i haven't talked to him in years so i don't want to be like oh he's my boy who's going here but it's just cool to have someone my age from my high school who i would work out with in middle school to now be going to the nfl that's just a cool story so i wanted to slide him in as the last pick we've got 31 down here how do you feel about a first mock draft of the year a lot of fun you know i i want to give quick shout outs to a couple guys that that could have gone around one but didn't you know dalton Kincaid, luke musgrave both those tight ends are very good i love nolan smith from georgia antonio johnson from texas a&m um that's about it for me, I think. Or, Emmanuel Forrest, Mississippi State, I think is really good. 
aside from that, oh, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. I got to throw him out there. I love Gibbs. I'm a big Jameer Gibbs fan. I would love for him to go round one, too. Um, but it's just a little tough right now because I, I feel like there's so many other needs from other teams elsewhere. I really don't know if Gibbs would be fitting in there very well. Um, and then I also mentioned Drew Sanders, who I like a lot from Arkansas, who's a linebacker. But those are, those are really the only guys. Um, but, you know, still, I think that, you know, each year I see a lot of guys I think should be first-round picks they end up falling outside of it a little bit. You know, so it just happens. Um, but I, I do like this draft a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I had a great time. I really enjoyed the trades that we did. I love talking about B. John Robinson. I think it's a, a fun introduction to him for you. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, do a couple more of these. Yeah, I hope so. And I think that we turned in a pretty good first round. I mean, most of most of the teams walk away happy, I feel like, even if uh, some trade up, some trade down, little moves here and there. Feels like everyone kind of walks away feeling good about themselves. Obviously, most teams do after every draft and it doesn't pan out that way. But seems like everyone's feeling at least pretty good about who they walk away with. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's I think it's very, very fun um, for a lot of these teams. And I'm excited to see a lot, how a lot of these players progress for certain teams, because just because they might not make a lot of sense to me initially doesn't mean it's not going to pan out. You know, I, th- I definitely think that there's going to be it all depends on how these players develop long term. Uh, and I think I, I trust that NFL coaches know what they're doing for, for for at least some NFL coaches know what they're doing. And they'll be able to take a lot of these players making them into good and, and to about, good about 40% of them know what they're doing. About 40, 40% yeah. know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or just, yeah, 40% of the players end up working out at least. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the Nolan Smith quote from the combine? You mentioned him a second ago. Did you see the quote where he's talking about at Georgia, we do more with less? I was like, in what world is this less with six right. first round picks every year for Georgia being yeah. the new Alabama? He's spoiled to be with the best defense ever created. <laughs> <laughs> Who, uh, <laughs> who's the team that's going to take a chance on Stetson Bennett, and why is it the New York Jets? <laughs> oh God! If Stetson Bennett goes to the Jets, I'm I'm just going <laughs> to drop my phone and walk away. I I will say I have I have graded Stetson Bennett. I have graded him. He's undrafted. <laughs> hashtag jetson bennett i i can't i can't really i can't really stress this enough the only reason why i don't like stetson bennett is i cannot find one strength he has but his weakness (laughs) is literally an endless list i mean he's he's small not a great arm Okay, accuracy maybe, but not deep. Only maybe in the short, mid, intermediate parts of the field. He had like one of the best offensive, one of the best offenses built around them in the league, right? I mean, he ran the ball the entire time. I mean, I, he's, just, he's just not a good quarterback. I, I don't really know how else to it. Now he will get a chance somewhere, absolutely. But if he ends up in the XFL next year, wouldn't shock me one bit. <laughs> He Stetson, you're too good for that. Just you're you're gonna be a legend in Georgia forever. Go open your car dealership and just start right. your start your career as Georgia f- legend. He will make more money doing that. Yeah, pretty much. And then in 20 years, you'll get to be the governor of Georgia. Just start that that process now, Stetson. You got this. You're. They were right. bowing down to you as you walked off the field. You put up 61 points on TCU in the championship game. You're good. You're good. You're 25 years old, and you can start the rest of your life. He can be the Georgia mayor Legends. of Athens. 
Oh, you're thinking too small. He could be the governor of the state. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I think maybe. Give him 20 years, he could pull it off because he's he's now the guy in Georgia. <laughs> the the two-time, we're going to have to call him two-time national champion quarterback, Stetson Bennett, which is the greatest plot twist in college football history. <laughs> that, and that Heisman l- contender. <laughs> Yes, Andy was a Heisman finalist this year, which in fairness, last year, so 2021, Bryce Young won the Heisman, but that year should have just gone to the Georgia defense, but because one player on the defense wasn't like so standout-ish, it kind of went to Bryce Young by default. This year, I mean, it was a no-name defense, so the name on the team was Stetson Bennett, who <laughs> was throwing the ball to Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey. It's just right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how it's like. I mean, it, it's tough because I mean, I, I actually believe it or not, I have people who defend Stetson Bennett, and they go, Blake. I mean, if he worked out in Georgia, I mean, why why wouldn't the team take a risk on him at least and just see if he can be a backup next level? Because like maybe he's a Gardner Minshew for all we know. And I'm like, but it's Stetson Bennett. Like I don't like I don't really know how else to explain this to you. Like I mean, he's just it's just Stetson Bennett. Like he's tiny. Um, basically everything you want in a prospect, he's the opposite of it. He is, but it, <laughs> but he won, you know, like, I don't really know how else to explain it. He, he, he managed to win. Like he, he beat CJ Stroud. He beat Bryce Young. He, he beat all these guys who are going to be first round, you know, maybe the first overall picks, but you know, I'm, I, I don't, I genuinely don't think he gets drafted. If he, if he gets drafted, it's only because of him winning the national championship at Georgia. There is no other reason. Well, yeah, and the Stetson thing is like he was a above average college football quarterback last year. He was one of the 15 to 20 best quarterbacks in college football last year. And that because he is 26 and small and was a former walk on probably not going to pan out once you get to the NFL, considering he was like a top 15 to 20 quarterback. And like the the great accomplishment of Stetson Bennett is that he was a 15 to 20 quarterback in college football last year. Like that happened right in front of our eyes where he was this scrawny dude coming in in the SEC championship game. I think it was like four years ago as a replacement for, I want to say, from and and then ended up winning the starting job over Daniels and Justin Fields transferred. So he was the number two. Like the great accomplishment is that he ever got to be a 15 to 20 quarterback in college football. It's kind of ridiculous. And he got the keys to the Lamborghini of Georgia, which was basically 2011 to 2013 Alabama. And they gave him the keys to the machine and he didn't drive it off a cliff. Can I just say, for our sake, I, I I totally like as a football fan. I hope that we see Stetson Bennett play on the NFL field. I want to see Stetson Bennett win a football team a regular season game. Do you imagine? <laughs> oh, he's gonna win the Super Bowl for the Forty ers He's gonna drive the Forty ers absolutely insane <laughs> because that's just. 49ers fans are stuck in this purgatory now and and the combination of Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory and Nick Foles syndrome which is what the Niners had last year with Brock Purdy is just a hell of a sickness just being stuck in Garoppolo purgatory for years then getting Nick Foles syndrome just throw Stetson Bennett in there and just drives 49ers fans absolutely insane but, but being completely serious after what I saw last year from Brock Purdy is it really out of question if that happens Yes. Like maybe, yes. maybe. Yes. <laughs> it is. Okay. 
<laughs> it's you know Stetson what? fucking Bennett here. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm being a little too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Brock Purdy thing is just funny, though. The Brock Purdy thing to me is like, oh, you've got Nick Foles syndrome. You've got the best defense and best uh, one of the yeah. best offenses in the NFL, and he is Nick Foles. So enjoy well, I, that I he's mean, Nick Foles for as long as he will be there. Purdy basically just had a Stetson Bennett type season just to a much smaller extent and a much higher level, you know, <laughs> that's the only difference. hundred percent. So hundred percent. And 49ers fans would probably be happier if he were their quarterback, because combined with the Nick Foles syndrome, they have Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory. <laughs> They've been stuck yep. in this purgatory where they convince themselves that Jimmy Garoppolo is the ideal quarterback. I'm like, no, don't do this to yourselves. Don't do it. They, <laughs> you are. They were a you, franchise quarterback away from having a dynasty. They oh, were. could you imagine if they took Mahomes instead of Solomon Thomas? Oh my God, they would have won five of the last six championships. Right. I mean, if they had if they had Mahomes, if they had Allen, if they had Herbert, if they had Lamar Jackson, if they had, I mean, if they had any of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, they would have won at least probably two Super Bowls. Right? You got to think. If you give them okay, Maybe. so the, the the threshold here is Kirk Cousins. If you get better than Kirk Cousins, you would have probably won a Super Bowl. If you got better, if you got like Aaron Rodgers that year, he tried to force his way out of the Packers. Then like you probably have two. But I mean, yeah, they just needed something not I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> they they almost beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and then I was also thinking last year they really should have beat the Rams, right? So mm-hmm. if you had a better quarterback in that game, you probably beat the Rams. I think if they, they had Trey Lance in last year's game, they probably would have beat the Rams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were just a good quarterback away from having two extra Super Bowls. That's crazy. Or at least playing in at least two Super Bowls. Right. I mean, right. they almost played in a, in one this year, if not for having literally no quarterback because the joke that I was watching as the first half that game went along is like, I've seen Kyle Shanahan win multiple playoff games in which a quarterback didn't throw a pass for two hours of real time. So you can go to Josh Johnson. I still don't think it's over. And it wasn't for a minute. They outscored the Eagles when Josh Johnson took over for a minute there. So, I mean, they could have gone to three Super Bowls and maybe they win one or two of them. It certainly helps that they have like three elite safety blankets, right? <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Like, how do you go wrong with those three guys? You get those as long as you get one of those three, the ball in their hands, they're they're extremely dangerous, right? Like that's just how it is for San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. They, I mean, even Ayuk is not terrible. Like, no, you, he's, you get, he's really good. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing that's the 49ers' great advantage is that they have literally six pro bowlers on offense. They have Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, uh George Kittle, Devo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Brandon Ayuk was a thousand-yard receiver this year. He was not a pro bowler, but, you know, still pretty good. And I bet you, like, Mike McGlinchey is better at what he does than Jimmy Garoppolo is at what he does. Yeah, they're going to lose McGlinchey this offseason, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, they, he was still really, really good. Uh, very solid off the line for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they, they have they have a very, very good football team uh, regardless. <laughs> so throw Jetson Bennett into the mix and see what happens. <laughs> see him as Elite. your practice squad quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that's what I expect him to be, honestly. I expect him to go to a practice squad. He's going to be the fourth, third guy. And we're going to watch him play in the preseason. 
Uh, we're definitely going to watch those games. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to watch that's a minute play. I'll watch the highlights. I won't I won't actively seek out a 49ers versus Raiders preseason game, but I will watch the highlights of Jetson Bennett throwing passes to, uh, I don't know, Ray Ray McLeod. Right. That, 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 that sounds like really fun football. <laughs> that sounds like football. Wouldn't, right. wouldn't go as far as to say really fun, but I will call it football. <laughs> it's kind of like the XFL. It's not like good football. It's just fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, but you know who hasn't watched a second of XFL football? Me. <laughs> so, uh, so you're telling me you haven't watched Paxton Lynch get benched on the fourth <laughs> in the fourth? I gave uh, I gave it two tries. I gave the I, I gave the AAF a chance in 2019. I gave the XFL a chance in 2020. I don't need it in my life. I will. Uh, I will. I the totally my favorite my oh, my favorite thing to emerge from the XFL though is that the Houston Roughnecks in the two seasons of the XFL have now won as many games in seven games as the Texans have won in their last thirty nine. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the Houston Texans. <laughs> yeah, I I think the Roughnecks should play the Texans for relegation rights. I think that's uh, that's something totally. we should organize. <laughs> If we we need to we need to make it where the last place team in the NFL plays against the champions of the XFL, and if they lose, they have to swap teams. <laughs> They're going to the NFL. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I know it will never happen, but like, I mean, yeah. it seems like the better Houston team in reality is playing in the XFL because at least they have like former NFL players on their team. The Texans have right. players who are about to be out of the NFL. Pretty much, you gave everyone one year minimum track contract. Like that's all they have. If you gave the Houston Roughnecks Bryce Young, you know what? <laughs> they might not look worse than the Texans will next year. <laughs> Just saying. If you gave them the draft picks the Texans have had the last two years, <laughs> the XFL Houston team might look just as good as the Texans. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm honestly, I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, I wonder how that. I really don't know how that would all work. Uh, if it were to happen, but yeah, I mean, uh, for sure, according to how they played in, in in the XFL compared to how the Texans have played in the NFL, it doesn't look very close, right? But obviously, <laughs> I mean, you know, these these players in the NFL for a reason, I suppose. But I, I'm interested to see how how some of these XFL players will help their stock in the NFL because you know we always saw PJ Walkers and himself a backup position, you know, playing in other leagues like that. So I expect that to happen the same in the XFL as well, and. You know, I haven't really noticed. Like, I haven't really watched XFL that much because I've been so so focused on watching, you know, actual like scouting football, you know, like college football and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I mean, I'm interested to see how those stocks end up affecting, uh, uh, or how much how much their play in XFL ends up affecting their stocks for other teams. According to Arizona Cardinals Twitter, Akeem Butler is apparently playing really good in the XFL, so maybe he'll latch on somewhere. Everyone's looking for wide receivers, so. Who knows? Maybe one of those guys will latch on. I think Heineke was an XFL backup, and now he's uh, obviously Heineke <laughs> on uh, on Washington. So, uh, Blake, always much appreciated. It's glad to talk to you again and glad that we can put together this fun little mock draft for the people. Yeah, it was totally so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, I've been a very, very busy couple of months for me, but I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. Look forward to talking to you again during the NFL draft season. Hey, Georgia, we're back to tell you all about the amazing championship offers going on at Stetson Bennett Kia Chevy Subaru Honda Volkswagen of Blackshear. 
That's right, everybody. For the second year in a row, we have championship bonuses all month long on your new used trade-in, upgrade, or downgrade on your Kia, Chevy, Subaru, Honda, or Volkswagen model. You see, Stetson Bennett, born right here in Blackshear, Georgia, is a walk-on quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs, who has now led them to two national championships. Only Tim Tebow has accomplished such a feat in the last 20 years of college football. And just like two-time national champion quarterback Tim Tebow, Two-time national champion quarterback Stetson Bennett has absolutely no future prospects in the NFL. Sure, the Denver Broncos may draft him with a draft pick that's way too high, and sure, the New York Jets might take a flyer on Stetson Bennett, but you know where Stetson Bennett is going to be in just a couple years? Selling you a brand new Kia, Chevy, Subaru, Honda, or Volkswagen down here on the Blackshear Auto Mall. Did you buy or trade in your car during the 2022 championship run? Well, come on down to get 23% off your new used or trade-in over at Stetson Bennett Kia, Chevy, Subaru, Honda, and Volkswagen of Blackshear. If you're buying a new car with us, you can get an incredible $4,045 down on your latest purchase. That's right. 2022 plus 2023 back-to-back -back national championships we're delivering you double the savings down at Stetson Bennett Kia Chevy Subaru Honda and Volkswagen of Blackshear so come on down today because even though Stetson Bennett's nine-year career as a Georgia Bulldog may come to an end the savings will never end at Stetson Bennett Kia Chevy Subaru Honda Volkswagen of Blackshear so a report dropped this week NFL reporter Mike Fisher says that the Cowboys have interest in C.J. Stroud. Now, for anyone looking at this report, they have to think, don't the Cowboys already have a quarterback? Don't they already have a highly paid quarterback on the roster, Dak Prescott, one that has lost his last two playoff games to the 49ers? This is an interesting development because the Cowboys, they've seemingly been pretty loyal to Dak Prescott over his time there. Now, there was a small contingent of fans that were shouting Cooper Rush last year, but... Nonetheless, Dak Prescott came back, definitive starter, and there's no looking back on it despite him leading the league in interceptions last year. What do you think when you start hearing the report that the Cowboys are interested in looking into possible quarterback replacements for their highly paid quarterback? Means that Dak Prescott might be headed into a make it or break it season in Dallas. And I said after the uh, the playoff run last year where everyone was kind of dumping on Dak because he led the league in interceptions, despite the fact he only played 12 games, I want to say, after Cooper Rush's injury situation. Yes. First time in NFL history that someone who has missed five games has also led the league in interceptions. So when that happened and look, he played all right in the playoffs, of course, the Tampa Bay game. They whooped up on a team that didn't belong in the playoffs and Dak's numbers were solid at the very least going into that game. And th after that, I said there is no scenario where Dak Prescott's going to be gone because they just can't afford it. They just can't afford to move off of Dak Prescott after this season. He's got $49 million guaranteed coming this next season. He is going to be the Cowboys quarterback through the end of 2023. And the, when the Cowboys signed that extension, they knew he was their quarterback through 2023. And there was very little way to get out of that. After 2023, 
most of the guaranteed money has been paid out. So there is a scenario where the Dallas Cowboys can move off of Dak Prescott. They might have to take a a dive one season in 2024 because they would have a $40 million dead cap hit. But similar to Aaron Rodgers, there are ways they can spread it out over like two or three years where it's the 40 million won't hit in one season. It'll be like 20, 10 and 10 over three seasons. But they can get out of the Dak Prescott contract and save like $25 million if they so choose coming out of next season. And so if you're potentially looking at the next quarterback of the future and maybe don't want to extend Dak Prescott until he's 35 or 36, which I think you could go both ways on that one, giving Dak a four-year extension, not giving Dak a four-year extension. If they don't want to do that, then maybe looking at replacements is the right way to go. And CJ Stroud was the quarterback listed in this report. Now, we talked a little bit about it off camera. The possibility of gaining CJ Stroud would be a costly endeavor for them at the very least. I predict CJ Stroud is going to be in the top 10, just given the amount of quarterback needy teams out there. And I equate this more to the Trey Lance deal that you probably need three first round picks to get up into that top 10 to draft Stroud. So I'm going to discount it happening. Notable that they're looking at Stroud, and it's notable that this is the quarterback that's piquing their interest. But I'm actually looking at this quarterback class, and it's not half bad as far as like depth in the class. Dak was a fourth round pick, right? As I look at this year's draft class, besides like the top three quarterback, the definitive top three, where we talk about Stroud, Young, and Will Levis, there are guys like a Hendon Hooker that you could get later coming off an ACL injury. There is a guy like a Max Duggan you could get late in the draft. I think a lot of teams, their perception of drafting quarterback has changed a little bit because of one Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant seventh round. But even if you're the Cowboys, aside from a Brock Purdy, you literally drafted Dak again in the fourth round. So you can find value at the quarterback position now. It's not something that happens very often. We do see a lot of the better quarterbacks in the league are first round picks. However, you can get a guy that you can at least win a championship or capitalize on a championship window with. And I think the Cowboys have come to the realization it's probably unlikely that they're going to win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. You talk about it being a make or break year. I feel as though the only make for Dallas, especially when you have an aging owner like Jerry Jones, is to win a championship. And I think this will be a hard choice because for Jerry because honestly, Jerry is a pretty loyal guy. When you really think about like all the guys he's given contracts to, All the guys that he keeps giving second opportunities to, third opportunities to, fourth opportunities. Jason Garrett was there for years. Mike McCarthy's seemingly got as long a leash as he does. Dak, like, Jerry's giving him opportunities. I feel like he'll continue to give him opportunities. However, they should always be kind of, like, looking to upgrade that position because I think there's a ceiling. I think we've hit that ceiling with Dak Prescott. So let's go back to when Dak Prescott was picked in the fourth round back in 2016 because... The reason there there are a couple reasons why the Cowboys were able to get him in the fourth round in the first place. One of them, Dak was coming off of a DUI in college, and so that ended up hurting his draft stock. But the second reason, the infatuation with Paxton Lynch, which was everyone saying, I can turn this six foot eight gigantic (laughs) quarterback with a big arm into something. (laughs) Oh, Paxton Lynch, a great stat. First quarterback to ever be benched in the CFL, NFL, USFL and uh, XFL. Paxton Lynch, Broncos legend. <laughs> Even legend. Just, just saying that makes me tickle. Look, so Dak was still the fifth quarterback taken in the class. And look, the Raiders probably hate that they took Connor Cook over Dak Prescott, but Prescott was basically the fourth quarterback in his class. It's just he slid 
into the f- the fourth round because yeah. there just weren't a ton of mid-round QBs. If you mentioned that there was no DUI, then we're probably talking about Dak Prescott at minimum, probably like a second-round quarterback, like a Jimmy Garoppolo type. Yeah, he would have been the third quarterback in his class if not for this weird Paxton Lynch infatuation, which, by the way, is the, s- is, is the same thing the Cowboys <laughs> are banking on this year. I, I don't think it was a weird Paxton Lynch infatuation. And I'll say this because you look at a guy like Josh Allen, right? You draft a guy that has tools. You can draft a guy with big arm, tall. You know, you it, think it could work out, but obviously we know how that story was written. But, you know. It's perfect that you said that because guess who's now a top five pick in the NFL draft? Anthony Richardson. You know why? Because one team looks at Anthony Richardson and says, I can fix that. I can make him my Josh Allen or I can make him my Paxton Lynch. And Anthony Richardson's going to get picked in the top five by some team. So what the Cowboys are banking on is one, someone takes Will Levis over CJ Stroud, which would just be ridiculous. And two, someone's going to take Anthony Richardson in the top five, which means CJ Stroud becomes the fourth quarterback taken in his draft class and the Cowboys can pick him up. The Cowboys are trying that same strategy all over again with Stroud. Now, there's no rule that says you can't evaluate quarterbacks in the draft, even if you have a quarterback on the roster or a guy under contract on the roster, I think is an important thing to know. If you're a smart front office, you're always looking at upgrades at every position. I don't care if Patrick Mahomes is on your roster. If you think some quarterback out there exists that's better than Patrick Mahomes, then you got to be continually evaluating the position. Uh, You look at a case like the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, they had Carson Wentz on the roster. That didn't stop them from drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. You have to constantly be thinking about like, well, how is this going to age? How is this specific contract going to age? Do we need a backup quarterback is very valuable in the NFL too, is something we're learning about. How many quarterbacks suited up last year? Like 60, 70 quarterbacks, I think was the number that was listed. Even if you're not drafting a guy to eventually be your starter, you need a capable backup just in case. Hell, again, I mentioned Mahomes. Mahomes got hurt. You know, thank God you had Chad Henney who knew the system and was able to come in and do what he needed to do. A lot of teams could benefit from just even at base minimum having a Chad Henney on the roster or a Gardner Minshew on the roster. Brock Purdy, a Jimmy Garoppolo, one of these kinds of quarterbacks that just could come in and win you a couple games. Uh, you talk about a guy like Anthony Richardson, like, well, he has the tools to like maybe give you like a couple good games in his rookie season. You hope it doesn't end up like a Malik Willis situation where they come in and they're just completely inept at the NFL level. But the Cowboys would be smart that if they're not drafting a CJ Stroud and they don't have to draft a CJ Stroud, second, third round, fourth round, fifth round, take a guy. There's a, like I said, this is a very deep quarterback class that even if you're not drafting a guy who's going to be an NFL starter, there's a lot of guys who are going to be very good NFL backups. And I think the Cowboys would be smart to capitalize on that, even if they're not looking for Dak Prescott's direct replacement this offseason. Anyway, guys, let us know in the comment section below. What do you think of this report? Do you think it's noteworthy that the Cowboys are even looking at the quarterback position, looking to upgrade at the quarterback position potentially? We'd like to hear your thoughts. Leave a like on the video. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you on the next one. Spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it
York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it New York, New York Didn't think I'd be having this conversation, but here we are in 2023, and Daniel Jones is a $40 million quarterback. Reportedly, the Giants offered Daniel Jones between $35 million and $39 million per year. But Danny Dimes declined. Kyle, when you hear this report, when you hear the contract offers and the demands, Kyle, what is your reaction? So Daniel Jones turned down 35 to $39 million offered by the Giants for what I assume is multiple years. Is that correct? Yes. LOL. LOL. God, Daniel Jones. Let's not go crazy here, buddy. One good season. Talk about ego. I mean, look. This is the difference here. Daniel Jones, I was very public about this uh, during the season. I did not watch a New York Giants football game in the regular season. I decided that if I'm going to have a healthy relationship with football, New York Giants is the thing I'm cutting out of my life until the playoffs. When I was like, oh, dang, Daniel Jones actually looks kind of good. Oh, this offense is actually kind of like able to move the ball. I know it was against a bad Vikings team. But I was like, oh, Daniel Jones looks different than I remember him. I saw him in spurts and touchdowns and Saquon Barkley being healthy changed a lot of that. But I was like, oh, this team's not bad. And then I looked at the numbers. I was like, they are an above average offense this year. And I looked at Daniel Jones's numbers. I was like, Daniel Jones had a very good season, which, as you said, means he now has one very good season and three bad seasons. I ain't paying top dollar for one very good season and three bad seasons. I'm just not taking that risk. Playing devil's advocate, though, a lot of people would say that one good season was the one season that he had an NFL head coach that people felt confident and good about. Does that at all change? One more year, Brian Dable, maybe Daniel Jones could continue to grow and develop in this offense. You're not making any changes at the coordinator position, right? As far as I'm aware, no, Mike Kafka's coming back next year for them, so should be the same offense. And to your point, Brian Dayball did not take that job to commit long term to Daniel Jones. And if Brian Dayball took that job to commit long term to Daniel Jones, Brian Dayball, you should have held out for a better job. <laughs> like you are the talk of the town after you fixed Josh Allen. If you wanted this job because you committed long term to Daniel Jones, buddy, you should have taken a better job. Don't you think that might have been part of the job interview process, though? Because reportedly the Maras do like Daniel Jones a lot. The Maras told Brian Dayball that Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback next season. And after that, you know, you kind of have some flexibility. And that's why we're talking about 35 to 39 to even $40 million for Daniel Jones is the Maras are the only team that's going to pay him that. Like if Daniel Jones hits the open market, who's the team that's going to pay Daniel Jones $35 million for multiple seasons? Who's going to pay him over $100 million guaranteed? Three years at $35 million. Who's the team? There's not a team that comes to mind but for me and I I guess I view this through my mind I think there's only like five guys I really would offer over 40 million dollars a year to play quarterback for me and Daniel Jones is not one of those guys I look at 40 million dollars per year as an elite level quarterback Daniel Jones he's good he's better than a lot of us wanted to give him credit for but when I look at these total numbers from last year 15 touchdowns, five interceptions from a throwing perspective. If we're going to use this criticism for guys like Justin Fields, if we're going to use this criticism for guys like Lamar Jackson, 
He's a much better runner than he is a passer. Daniel Jones at this point is a much better running back than he is a quarterback. And you're not going to be paying Saquon Barkley $40 million a year. So don't pay Daniel Jones $40 million a year. In fairness to the five or six guys making $40 million, $40 million is the new $30 million. So I will say that it's not that unreasonable to pay the 10th best quarterback in the NFL $40 million. That's basically what the Rams are doing with Matthew Stafford. And they won a Super Bowl that way. On the flip side... Jones even the 10th best quarterback not in my mind at least he won't be two years from now so I wouldn't like as I don't want Daniel Jones as my long-term quarterback I want Daniel Jones as the way that you treat like Jimmy Garoppolo where it's like year to year baby let's see if we can find something better and as even, soon as he plays yeah, poorly yeah, let's do that like Daniel Jones or Derek Carr in a vacuum well no at this stage I would go Daniel Jones but a year ago I would have said Derek Carr well, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, you threw out the comp. At prices. So if they're making the same amount of money, Daniel Jones, if I'm getting Jimmy Garoppolo at what Jimmy Garoppolo is going for, then Garoppolo. Yeah, because I assume Jimmy Garoppolo, probably this offseason, I'm going to project $20 million, 18 to 20, somewhere in that range, versus mm-hmm. if Daniel Jones' baseline minimum is gained $30 million, equating that value, I think Jimmy personally but yeah think so think about it this way so last year daniel jones on the fifth year option was making 19 million dollars right and jimmy garoppolo after they guaranteed about 7 million his contract was about 18 million dollars and the Giants had the opportunity to get Garoppolo when he was going through the shoulder injury. And they said, no, we'll just run it back one year with Daniel Jones. He's under contract and then we'll evaluate after the fact. I thought their wins and losses were going to be all about Will Levis. And that clearly is no longer the case for the Giants. I thought they were going to be drafting a quarterback in this year's class with a top 10 pick. And ultimately, the Giants aren't in a position to do that. They have an offense that's pretty good. I just mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate doing this because I'm a pro labor guy and I'm a union man. But like, this is what the franchise tag was invented for (laughs) is for people like Daniel Jones. Give it one year, see if he can do it and then maybe tag him again next year. And then after that, it would be two years and 80 something million guaranteed. And maybe you play yourself and you have to spend an extra 40 million dollars. But you also kind of save yourself the not knowing and the possible we can't get out of him. Well, you only play yourself. If Daniel Jones next year is coming out and performing at Lamar Jackson like levels, if this 15 to five touchdown interception ratio turns into 30 and five next year, then yeah, you absolutely played yourself because Daniel Jones at that point is going to be hands down a $40 million a year contract, if not more. I agree with you. This is the perfect situation for a tag candidate. If you've ever seen one, uh, you do wonder in, in many ways, is Daniel Jones at risk of overplaying his hand a little bit? Well, not if the Maras love him so much that they're willing to pay it and they view him as their long-term franchise quarterback. Because remember, this is the same group that essentially listened to the fans and fired Ben McAdoo because they tried to get rid of Eli Manning two years too early. And they could have drafted Josh Allen in that 2018 draft class if they had listened to Ben McAdoo being right about Eli Manning being washed. And instead, they ran it back two more years with Eli Manning and went to Daniel Jones. So I don't know what the deal is. The Giants run their team 
team differently than anyone else. They fell ass backwards into a playoff win this year, which yeah. I think in large part is Brian Dayball. Give the people the flexibility to do with what they want, because I bet you if he gave that new general manager and Brian Dayball, I think his name's like Joe Schoen or something. If you give the general manager and Dayball the opportunity, I don't think they took that job to commit long term to Daniel Jones. And even the evidence they're seeing right now of one very good season out of one year with them, I wouldn't commit long term to Daniel Jones. Well, we talked about the scenario if you do commit at all to Daniel Jones. You can always offer him one of those fake contracts, the Derek Carr contract, right, that he got this past season where you could cut bait after year, the Jimmy Garoppolo contract where there's no guaranteed money after like year two. There's always the possibility that you could offer one of those. Now, if you're Daniel Jones agent, of course, you're going to try and advocate to not have that unless you're okay with just getting a short term $45 million just for one year type thing. But that's the only situation in which you sign air quotes here. Daniel Jones, a three, four year contract. That's yeah, to me is the only situation where you do it. Yeah, it's going to be one of the weirdest contracts in the world because it's going to be like an opt out after one. But then two years are guaranteed after the fact. And maybe you give him one of those sweeteners like we can't franchise tag you after next year or something of that nature. Just don't do what the Raiders exactly did and have a no trade clause in there because that kind of fucked them over. Yeah, what Daniel Jones needs is leverage. If he wants to go for $40 million, he needs another team willing to pay him $40 million. And I just like, again, who's the team? (laughs) No one else would give Daniel Jones more than like... Yeah, go back to him as a draft prospect. Who was the team that was willing to jump up there besides the Giants? No one. I mean, yeah, nobody. He was a second round prospect and he's played like a second round prospect, which is he started for four seasons. And once he becomes too expensive, he becomes a fringe starter, except now because he played a very good season this year, he's upgraded from Jameis Winston fringe starter to Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback purgatory where they don't know what to do with him. And so is there another team? Is it the is it Carolina? Like, who's the team that actually wants Daniel Jones? If you want to make a pro Daniel Jones case you would also say that okay his passing numbers do look a little bit weak but how many other quarterbacks had the wide receiving group that Daniel Jones had last year because the Giants did have one of if not the weakest wide receiving group in the NFL Richie James Jr. was like their top guy well then they got the guy from uh Buffalo whose name I'm forgetting the practice squad guy who had 100 yards in that playoff game yeah their wide receiver core is not great they got rid of Kadarius Tony because he was a bust and then became a Super Bowl hero for Kansas City because that's how that one works And look, the Giants, we should be talking about Daniel Jones and his running ability more like the vanilla Vic joke is actually a pretty good comp because everyone was like, oh, Daniel Jones, you know, you want him to run the ball, but you don't want him to always run the ball. And the Giants were like, no, just run the ball. (laughs) Like our offense is run based and you're going to be doing read options and you're super fast. Don't you think that part of that was because they knew that they weren't committed to him long term, that they were willing to use the tread on his tires a little bit more, knowing that after this year, nothing was guaranteed. And the same way we talked about running backs and burning them until the wheels fall off, right? Le'Veon Bell, right? (laughs) 
I would, <laughs> this is kind of mean, but I would also say there's a reason why Jason Garrett doesn't have a job right now is <laughs> because of those two years he spent with Daniel Jones in New York, which I guess is basically the bulk of Daniel Jones's prime at this point. The other part of it is having Saquon Barkley really, really helps in your running game, because if you're worried about that guy, it makes it easier for Daniel Jones to get on the outside and be a super freak running back. That's why I thought they should go get Greg Roman somewhere, even as a running game coordinator, whatever the title is, just get him into the coaching staff and let him design some plays. It, that would be a great idea going into this year. But the, the offense for them was, I don't want to make it seem like this is something you can't get rid of. Like the Falcons got Marcus Mariota and replicated similar numbers in the giant, like the, to the Giants offense. Like it's not like this is a transformative offense that's changing the game. Like they had a very good season. And if you don't think you can do better than that, then I guess recommit to Daniel Jones and say, Saquon Barkley at $50 million a year combined. All right, guys. Well, what do you think the Giants should do with Daniel Jones? Do you think that $35 million is a more than fair contract for him coming into this year? We'd like to hear your thoughts in the comments section. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias from Juju and Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.